Welcome, everybody, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone. We have a lot of new listeners, so for anyone who hasn't been with us all season, I'm the lead fantasy analyst at the Score, and I've finished in the top 10 of Fantasy Pro's most accurate expert competition five of the last six years. And I'm joined by my co-host and supervising editor at The Score, David P. Woods. And Woods is a man who seemed perplexed today and maybe all week by the Jaguars organization. It's been quite the week for Jacksonville. They traded a pick to get a veteran running back in Carlos Hyde, going out and getting absolutely destroyed and controlled by the Texans on Sunday. And then reports that there was a heated argument in the locker room after the game. Woods, what is going on with the Jags? Well, you might have buried the lead here. They also benched their starting quarterback today, which is a pretty significant development. I'm just perplexed by this team. It seems like they're just bad again. I mean, this isn't all fantasy relevant stuff, but it just doesn't make sense to me why you trade for Carlos Hyde. They gave up a fifth round pick. They seem willing to do that when really, I mean, the best case scenario for them here is that Hyde starts for a few weeks and then Leonard Fournette comes back healthy and he's clearly going to be the guy there. But, I mean, Hyde didn't even play this week. That makes perfect sense because he's not going to be able to learn the playbook in a matter of a couple days and play. But they're willing to trade for Hyde, but they're not willing to trade for a quarterback to push Blake Bortles. And they, I don't get it. They they gave Blake Bortles a big contract for no reason. They were basically bidding against themselves. This is a franchise that just, everybody had high expectations for them going into the season. And they're they're just wayward right now. And it's it's pretty bad. It seems like there's so much talent there that they're going to be able to figure it out, though. I would be I would be shocked. I mean, we've seen this happen with Bortles before. We've seen him get benched before, and we've seen them sort of move forward, and he comes back. It's not like he's a guy that they're you know asking him to carry the offense most weeks anyway. The weeks that he does carry the offense, it ends up being a little bit of a surprise, I feel. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, though, you know, the reports that Fournette's going to be out uh, through their bye week, so he's not going to be back until week 10. It's going to be interesting to see when he gets back what's going to happen in that backfield with Carlos Hyde, with him, with Yeldon, who didn't do that much today. He ended up catching a touchdown, but it's going to be very interesting to see. I still think Fournette is going to be the guy there, and Hyde's going to emerge as, you know, more of the the secondary runner. There's going to be three guys, and, and maybe they don't want to give Fournette a full workload anymore because they're just so sick of him getting hurt all the time. I, I would am holding out the possibility that Fournette just doesn't come back this season. I'm not sure they make that trade for Hyde unless there's some chance that Fournette's hamstring just isn't going to be right. And, you know, maybe in a few weeks he goes on IR. I, I think there's a chance of that obviously the Jaguars don't want that and they still see themselves as a possible playoff team so they want Fournette healthy in January rather than in October but I I really don't understand that trade a reminder to everybody out there if you like what you're hearing click the subscribe button on iTunes Google Play Stitcher SoundCloud Anchor wherever you listen to the podcasts and if you're already subscribing you like what you're hearing give us a rating and give us a review on today's episode We're going to discuss all the important fantasy takeaways from Sunday's action, including some of the rookie running backs and rookie receivers that are on the verge of breaking out. Some of them already have some of that big days on Sunday. And we're going to tell you who you should be going out and trying to pick up, trying to acquire, who's going to make the biggest impact for your fantasy teams in the second half of the season. And then we're going to talk about some other waiver wire ads who could help you survive the bye weeks and maybe even save your season. 
Woods, last week I published a video on the score where I went over four rookies who hadn't done much yet. They still had a chance to break out, though, and I felt like they were going to break out moving forward. I didn't expect it to happen for a couple of these guys as quick as it did. I, I talked about Baker Mayfield. I talked about Nick Chubb, Michael Gallup, and Hayden Hurst. Well, it turns out six hours after that video went up, Carlos Hyde gets traded Chubb's value immediately skyrocketed. We talked about that trade at the top of the show. It's not great for the fantasy value of the Jags backs, but Chubb was the real beneficiary here. And then today, Michael Gallup caught three passes for 81 yards and a score. He was a prospect that I liked dating all the way back to the offseason. Last week, I noticed he led the team in snaps. So I kind of sensed that there was an opportunity for the breakout there. Wasn't sure that it was going to be this week. But it's great to see him coming on. And also Baker Mayfield, he had some struggles today. He only had 215 passing yards, but he threw for two touchdowns, had 43 rushing yards as well. A solid fantasy day. Not as good as, as some of the other quarterbacks that have faced the Bucks defense, but we'll definitely take it. And Hayden Hurst, we're still waiting on him. It's going to take a little bit of time. He missed the first month of the season with an injury. I still think he has a chance to break out. But what I'm getting at here, Woods, is at this point in the year, It's a good reminder that this is when rookies, some of the rookies, we see some guys come on immediately, obviously stars like Saquon Barkley, but at this point in the year, some of the rookies start to get caught up. That learning curve starts to balance out. Things kind of start to slow down for them. The game starts to slow down and their talent begins to emerge a little bit. And often these are guys that fantasy owners might've been high on them before the season. And then after the first month, they don't do very much. They end up getting dropped back on the waiver wire. Or maybe during bye weeks, owners have to make some tough decisions and they end up dropping the rookies before they have a chance for a breakout. So I want to talk about some of the rookie performances from week seven and maybe how fantasy owners can capitalize on it moving forward. Let's kick things off with Chubb. Technically, he wasn't the, you know, quote unquote starter in this game. They they gave that honor to Duke Johnson. As often happens, they give it to the, the more veteran player. But Chubb was the clear lead back in that game. He saw 18 touches. Johnson just had five touches and Chubb started slow, but eventually he came on, finished with 80 rushing yards and a score. I liked what I saw. And, you know, I know Chubb was one of your favorites, Woods. So I'm just going to give you the floor here because I imagine you're pretty happy after today's performance. Oh, yeah, I'm thrilled. I was standing up for, for to uh, witness his first touchdown as the de facto <laughs> starter, whether you want to call him starter or not. I mean, he's the guy there now, and I was pretty excited about that. I mean, if listeners of this podcast will know, I talked about him a lot this summer. I talked about on Johnson. I think we're likely going to talk about him this podcast, too, because he had a pretty big week. But let's focus on Chubb. I mean, he's just he's a high, high-end prospect. The Browns spent a premier draft pick on him, early second-round pick. They know that he's going to be their guy, and they made a move to open it up for him because they saw what he can do. He flashed in the first few games this season, and now the depth chart has opened up in front of him. I mean, it's sort of what we saw last year with Alvin Kamara, where he flashed in little bits, but he needed that depth chart to open up in front of him, and the Saints traded away Adrian Peterson because, in part, I think, because they said, we have this rookie and we have to give him more touches. I mean, Nick Chubb needs more touches, and now he's going to get them, and I think he's going to do tons with them. It's the Browns offense still. It's not the top offense in the league. It's not the Saints offense, but it's a much better offense than it's been in recent years. I mean, they have a, finally have a quarterback who showed something. They have some weapons beyond him and David Njoku, Jarvis Landry. That offense can move the ball. And Nick Chubb is, I mean, I, I see him as a prospect. I compare him sort of like to Todd Gurley. I know that that's saying a lot, but he, he's 
at his peak in college, he was just a electric, like almost undefensible type running back. And he suffered a major injury. It's taken him a while to get back healthy, but he's healthy now. And you just see when he gets the ball in his hands, if things open up for him, he makes things happen. I mean, he's fast, he's powerful, he's shifty, he seems to have good vision. He's just the exact type of running back I target in a perfect situation right now. As a Chubb owner, basically everywhere, you know I am. I, I got him in every league because I was excited about him before the season. I'm ecstatic right now about what I have moving forward. Yeah, rock solid RB2 the rest of the way for sure. And he's got a tough matchup next week. Steelers are, are a little difficult against the run, but after that gets the Chiefs, gets the Falcons, both bottom five run defenses. It, it's really looking good for Chubb the rest of the way. You know, you mentioned Carrion Johnson though, and we definitely have to talk about Carrion Johnson because Chubb had a good day. Carrion Johnson had a great day, and it was finally nice to see the Lions give him the biggest share of the work. I mean, Theo Riddick was inactive because of an injury, and maybe that was the thing, the, the impetus for the, the coaching staff finally deciding to give Carrion a lot of touches here, but it was great to see, and he erupted 158 rushing yards, 21 receiving yards. The Lions controlled the game the whole way through. We talked about Detroit's improved offensive line in the offseason. We talked about the fact that it's a quality offense. They've just been desperate for a talented back. Carry on's the answer. He's a running back with, with power, with balance. He's breaking tackles. It warms my heart to see this, Woods. It's finally happening in Detroit, and fantasy owners like us who believed in him are getting to profit. Yeah, I mean, I could say a lot of the same things I just said about Chubb about Carrion. Carrion was my guy before the season. I own him all over the place. He's just, he's an electric player too. And despite his big day today, I think there's even more meat on the bone for him. I mean, the Lions are still inexplicably giving carries to LeGarrette Blunt. They gave him 10 of them today. He vultured a touchdown from Carrion. I, mean, I, I think th there's some logic to it is that Carrion's maybe not a true, true workhorse body. They don't want him to handle that many touches. But you can just see he's just so much more dynamic than Blunt, who's you know, a, a plotter, a, a power runner who doesn't really actually have all that much power that I think as we move forward in the season, the games get, you know, more important for the Lions. Maybe they're in the mix with the playoffs. They're, they're not going to be able to justify keeping carry on off the field. So I think his role is still going to get a little bit bigger than it is now. And that is also very exciting if you're an owner of him. So you don't think that there's any chance, because I know we had a conversation, wasn't exactly like this, but when he broke 100 yards earlier in the season, we were we said the same things. Oh my God, the coaching staff finally has to realize, and then they went right back to just giving him limited touches. You don't think there's any chance that Theo Riddick comes back next week and they go right back to giving Carry on just one third of the touches. No, I think there's a chance, but I mean we can see that Carry on needs to get more touches. The Lions coaches can also 100%. see that. I uh, I just I'm gonna have to have faith that they're gonna make a rational decision here, which is to just put more on Carrion's plate. I think they wanted to ramp him up slowly. I mean, he is a rookie. He it's hard to you know unless you're Saquon Barkley, you don't necessarily handle a full workload right out of the gate. But they've had their buy now. Carrion's shown that he can do it. The only thing that makes sense for the Lions is to keep giving him a little bit more and just see how much he can handle. And I have faith that that is what's gonna happen. Well, it wasn't all good news for running backs on the weekend, though. Another rookie, we saw him break out over the last few weeks here. Sonny Michel had over 100 yards from scrimmage in each of his last three outings, was off to another good start against the Bears, then got tackled awkwardly, kind of twisted around, was in so much pain that he fumbled the ball, and then he got helped off the field by trainers, and he's set to go for an MRI on his knee now. We can't speculate here, but it didn't look good at all, Woods. No, it looked pretty bad 
frankly, I mean, it looked, had the look of an injury of, for a player who's then going to be out for the season. I mean, we some news would have maybe trickled out by now if it was a torn ACL. That's pretty easy to diagnose, as I've mentioned before. The Patriots would likely already know that, and maybe that would have leaked out to the media. So maybe that's encouraging, but, I mean, there's nothing beyond that that I can say that's positive here. Michelle has, like, that degenerative knee condition, and, you know, he had arthroscopic surgery before the season, if I remember correct, and was sort of rushing to come back. So knee injury is not what you want to see for him here, and this could be a multi-week absence for sure. It's going to put James White into the borderline RB1 range if Michelle misses time. Until we see the team sign someone, and I would imagine that if Michelle misses time, they will sign someone. But Kenyon Barner was the next man up today. He split touches with White. Are you looking to pick up Barner at all, Woods? I mean, I'm going to have to write this waiver wire article. I do not want to write Kenyon Barner's name in that article, but I think they're going to have to sign someone else. We should find out, hopefully, in the next day or two here, but... Would you be willing to invest in Barner at all? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's the Patriots, and I, I agree James White's value would skyrocket if Michelle's gone, but I don't think he's going to do everything for the Patriots, and we know that this offense sort of sometimes likes having a not-that-talented goal line back, and that can be someone who's useful for fantasy reasons. So I, I, I could see them going out and signing someone and putting them into that role. I could even see them trading maybe for a running back here, but no, I mean, whoever's behind James White on the depth chart, if James White's atop the depth chart, is someone you probably should make a waiver claim for i just wouldn't spend all my fab money or anything like that is this the part where we have to say that Le'Veon bell is gonna end up on the patriots Le'Veon bell i would be stunned if he ends up on the patriots <laughs> or is traded to any team quite frankly i mean we got reports this morning that the steelers don't expect to trade him and it, it really just doesn't make sense i i think he's better off playing for the steelers if he plays anywhere and i think he knows that but yeah, I, I mean, if you, uh, I would use this if I was a, someone still holding on to Le'Veon Bell and losing faith, or maybe I'm out of it, or maybe it's a keeper league or something. Try to sell an owner in your league on the idea that maybe he'll end up on the Patriots and get max value for him. I want to stick with the rookie backs here, though. We're not done with them. Let's round it out. Just quickly touch on, I mean, Philip Lindsay played on Thursday night. wasn't today, but he continues to look great, especially for an undrafted player. He had 15 touches, 96 yards, and a score in that blowout over the Cardinals. His rookie teammate, Royce Freeman, also found the end zone, but he's dealing with an ankle injury now, and we don't know if he's going to miss time or not. Saquon Barkley, he is already a star. He's playing Monday night, though, as is Falcons rookie running back, Ito Smith. Ito Smith's probably going to take on a bigger role here moving forward. He's already gotten a fairly big workload here with Devonta Freeman missing time. Now Freeman's on IR. And even Ronald Jones got his first touchdown on Sunday for all the grief that we've given him. Ronald Jones still has a chance. Peyton Barber fading again. Took advantage of the the Falcons' terrible defense last week. This week, right back to being same old pedestrian running back. So there's still a possibility that Jones takes over that backfield. So let's leave Barkley out of the conversation since he's already among the elite in fantasy. But which of these backs woods do you think is going to be the most valuable starter in fantasy in the second half of the season? Uh, It's a tough question. Uh, My gut is to say Ito Smith. I mean, I just don't think Ronald Jones is very good. You said he got a touchdown today. I mean, he just walked in from the goal line. He had six carries for 13 yards. He can't really do anything in the receiving game, so I don't have high hopes for him. As far as those Broncos players go, I mean, I'm just pessimistic about that offense. The reports are that the Broncos are maybe looking to blow it up and do a full rebuild. They may be playing Chad Kelly at quarterback soon enough, so we don't know what that offense is going to look like. I 
don't feel confident projecting what that backfield will produce and it probably won't be a whole lot so that brings me to Smith who I I think is you know a, a comparable talent to Devontae Freeman if you sort of squint and don't really think about you know draft capital and history and things like that uh he has some of the same abilities and the Falcons use him some of the same way I, I still think the Falcons offense is quite good likely to score a lot of points and as we've mentioned on this podcast before, Tevin Coleman probably isn't there long term. So I wonder if the Falcons, you know, give a lot of the ball to Edo Smith and see what he can do. So he's the one who intrigues me the most. But when you're looking at these guys, I, I don't see a ton of value here. None of them jump off the page to me. And what about looking at your two favorites there? If you're talking about carry on versus Nick Chubb, who are you picking out of your two, your two children? Can you pick one that you love more? Oh, well, that's a very difficult question to put on me. I, I think it's Carrion. I mean, Carrion was, was the one I slightly preferred in the preseason, and I think it's probably still him, in part just because I have a little bit more faith in the Lions' offense and their offensive line. And But I don't know. I, I flip a coin. I, I would be thrilled to own either of them. If we found out that Sony Michel is going to be healthy, if somehow, miraculously, it's not a serious injury, I would have Michel as the top guy in all these rookies. I, I think in that offense, I think we've already seen him doing it. I think he's going to get the biggest opportunity and they've shown a willingness to give him the touches. I agree with you. I like carry on. I think carry on has the chance. He just needs to be given those touches. Hopefully they start doing that now. Chubb's disadvantage is the offense that he's in, but the talent is is through the roof. So he, he also is a very solid RB2 the rest of the way in my mind. Of those other guys, Lindsay has to be trusted now. Lindsay's an RB2. It, it's impossible to take him out of your lineup at this point. I, I really think, especially if Royce Freeman's going to miss time here, Lindsay's only going to continue to get more work. And it seemed like in the last game, they realized that Devonta Booker is just not, shouldn't be a part of that trio of running backs. It should really just be the two of them there. He saw less work in that game. If Freeman's out, Booker's going to step up into that that secondary role, but Lindsey is definitely the guy in that offense. I haven't been as high on Ito Smith. I think we talked about this on the Week 7 preview podcast. We'll see what happens with him on Monday night, but I haven't seen the yardage from him yet. Yes, he's scoring touchdowns. I know everyone loves that, but I'd like to see him have a big game yardage-wise. Let's see him do that as well. But those other guys are on a different level when you're talking about Carrion and Chubb and Sony Michelle, if he's able to still play. Those guys are on another level and really have league-winning ability. It's possible that those guys emerge as RB1s the rest of the way if they're given enough volume. And it definitely seems like Chubb's going to get it. Hopefully, Carrion gets it, and he'll be able to do what we saw him do today, which is put up huge, huge fantasy numbers. It's not as exciting to talk about the rookie-wide receivers, but we also have some guys here that are on the verge of breakouts, a couple that had big games this week. Let's talk about Michael Gallup first. Gallup had the breakout performance. I mentioned his stats, 81 yards and a touchdown. He's coming on in an offense that desperately needs someone. Christian Kirk also starting to play pretty well. I know it's the Cardinals. They're tough to trust, but he's got 57 yards or more in four of his last five games. And there's at least a little bit of hope with the new coaching staff and the offense there that he'll be able to do something more, that he'll be able to continue to develop when you're talking about the, the first round rookies, Calvin Ridley already became a fantasy darling earlier in the year, right? He had some big games there, had a bunch of touchdowns. So he's a guy that's owned in a lot of places already. And a guy that, you know, he's not getting maybe as many snaps as you'd like to see, but a guy that you can at least put in your lineup as a wide receiver three now. 
Fellow first rounder, DJ Moore, he's been struggling a bit with the Panthers, but Torrey Smith went for x-rays after the game on Sunday. So if Smith misses time, that could keep Moore getting more targets here moving forward. Traquan Smith's a guy. He was a name that was making headlines this week with Ted Ginn getting put on IR. Traquan had the monster game uh, the Monday nighter before the Saints bye. And now with Ginn on IR, he's has a secure role as a starter in that offense. It was a tough matchup for him today. He delivered an okay performance, had three catches for 44 yards. He nearly came down with a touchdown as well, was just out of his reach. He's going to be a big part of Drew Brees' arsenal moving forward. So he's not going to have to play the Ravens every week. There was also a little bit of wind in that game too. It's not going to be as difficult of a situation as it was this week for him every week. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to sneak into lineups as well. Cortland Sutton, he's flashing, and we're not seeing him get a full complement of snaps yet, but he's definitely flashed with the ones that he's gotten, scored a couple touchdowns here, and there's reports now that the Broncos might be willing to move Emmanuel Sanders to Marys Thomas before the trade deadline. If that happened, Sutton would be highly, highly coveted in fantasy. Anthony Miller, another guy that I really liked before the season, dealt with a shoulder injury, missed some time. His targets went way up on Sunday, though, and that could be because Allen Robinson was dealing with the groin injury. He saw seven passes thrown his way. With Mitch Trubisky kicking that offense into high gear now, and we'll talk a bit about that later, but the Bears' offense is producing, and Miller has a chance to make a fantasy impact in the second half of the year here. DJ Shark, uh, he's a part of the Jags' sporadic passing game. Definitely tough to trust, but he saw seven targets today. Another sign that could be a sign of things to come for him. And there's other first-year guys. Antonio Callaway He's just making far too many mental mistakes to have on your fantasy roster. I think the Browns wouldn't even want to be playing him at the moment if they didn't have so many injuries to their receiving core. I think they've kind of been forced into it. And speaking of injuries, it sucks to see, but Kiki Cootie popped immediately when he got into the lineup. Now he's dealing with a hamstring injury isn't likely to play in week eight. That's unfortunate. So there's a lot of names that I mentioned there, Woods. Hopefully you jotted them all down. Hopefully you remember them all. And hopefully I didn't forget anybody on that list either. But I'm going to pass it over to you, give myself a little bit of a breather here. But what's your take on these rookie receivers? You can rank them if you want, or just talk about the guys that you like the rest of the way. I don't think there's anyone that jumps out as the guy I, I bang the table for and say, this is the guy you want. Like maybe Michael Gallup is the most interesting just because he's the closest to being a number one receiver on his team right now. I mean, you might even say that he already is just because there's so little else on that wide receiver depth chart in Dallas. But, I mean, he's not seeing a high volume of targets. I mean, he's doing quite a bit with them and has looked good, even though, you know, some of his catches haven't counted, but you sort of, he flashes on tape. I mean, he's maybe also the highest variance player there because the Cowboys could just go out and trade for a receiver. I mean, the reports are that they're interested in it. They might go trade for Amari Cooper, which would probably tank Gallup's value. They might go trade for Kelvin Benjamin, we heard. They might go trade for Devontae Parker. They're, they're sniffing around wide receivers, and I think it's probably likely that they'll make some sort of a move at the position before the NFL's trade deadline. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that Gallup will lose his spot on their depth chart or in their receiving pecking order, but it probably wouldn't be a good thing. So he's maybe the riskiest, although I think the one who has the chance to put up the most consistent weekly stats going forward. I mean, talent-wise, I really like Traquan Smith, but it's just not a super 
profitable fantasy role, even though you would think it would be on the Saints, a very good offense. It's just the, the way that they use their secondary receiver is pretty inconsistent where Smith will, you know, pop some weeks and then have other weeks where he doesn't do a whole lot. And that's just not really a receiver that you ever feel good about on your fantasy team. But maybe he's a matchup dependent guy who you can look to start as a wide receiver three or flex. Uh, among the others, nobody gets me super excited. I mean, Calvin Ridley I would want to own, but I'm sure he's owned in all leagues. And honestly, we've probably already seen the best from him this season. He's certainly not going to have multiple touchdown games regularly going forward. And among the rest of those guys, I mean, Christian Kirk, I think, could be sort of a consistently decent option. I have some interest in him, but it's it's just not a great year for rookie wide receivers. I mean, I think we knew that going into the NFL draft. The guys took a while to go off the board. I mean, the first one taken, DJ Moore, has looked pretty bad so far. I mean, honestly, quite terrible, and I don't think we're going to see much of him as a rookie. He's probably going to be a guy who slowly develops, or I mean, maybe he's just going to be a bust. But uh, it's just not a year where I'm rushing to get a rookie receiver on my fantasy team. I think there's just so much other value among, you know, guys who've been around a little bit, undervalued guys, post-hype type guys that I've sort of filled my rosters with those guys and haven't spent a ton of time on the rookie. So maybe I don't have a whole lot else to add here. Yeah, I feel pretty much the same. I mean, I think Gallup has a chance to come on, maybe be a wide receiver three the rest of the way. And it is all about he's getting the opportunity to snaps there. But like you said, it is possible that they trade for someone. The other issue that I have there is it's just a low-volume passing game. So when you're talking about inconsistency, that can happen for sure for him. And Traquan Smith, you kind of touched on it, but what we've normally seen from the Drew Brees passing game is one guy step up, and that's definitely going to be Michael Thomas. And then the other options there sort of have games here and there, but no one really is consistent. And Ted Ginn, if he's going to just become Ted Ginn, which I think we kind of believe he's Ted Ginn, but younger, maybe a little bit more talented. If he becomes Ted Ginn, Ted Ginn was exactly that. He had some monster games where he would blow up and then other weeks he's completely non-existent. So I think as much as I like Traquan Smith and I do want to own him, he's going to be a guy that's going to be tough to trust in your in your lineup. And the other guy, Christian Kirk, is somebody who I think is solid, but I'm a little worried now if Larry Fitzgerald gets healthy again and it seemed like he was a little healthier in the last game, is Christian Kirk's opportunity going to decrease a little bit moving forward if I think he was profiting from the fact that Fitzgerald was playing hurt for a little while there. One guy that's really interesting to me is Cortland Sutton though, and right now there's not a ton of value. You definitely wouldn't start him, but if a trade happens, automatically his value goes through the roof. He's a guy that I would be willing to stash throw at the end of your bench, and let's see if a trade happens if one of those veterans move along from Denver. And then Sutton could really come on. I like what I've seen from him so far. Yeah, I don't mind that as a short-term play just because the NFL's trade deadline is approaching. It's You can stash him for a few weeks here and see if his value rises, and if not, just move on from him. So let's run through some non-rookie takeaways from Sunday. And I want to go right to a guy that was on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues last week. He's still only owned in 54% of Yahoo leagues. It's Marlon Mack. And it seemed like the Colts were going to employ a running back by committee this season. And then Mack comes back, looks healthy finally, puts up 93 yards on 16 touches last week. And that was better than anything that we've seen from the rookies from Naheem Hines or Jordan Wilkins. It gave the offense a new dimension. And I think Frank Reich noticed that. He noticed it enough to lean on him again this week. Mack's on 19 carries this week. Turned it into 126 yards, caught two passes for another 33 yards, and he finished the day with two touchdowns as well. 
Gets another nice matchup with the Raiders next week. Woods, I'm going to be confidently ranking him as an RB2 now. Do you agree? Yeah, I think you have to at this point. And maybe really all it took was Mac to get healthy and probably a little bit of help too from Andrew Luck, who just really is showing mastery of that offense as we expected. But more importantly, his shoulder looks really healthy. So that creates holes for a running back and... Things opened up for Mac. I mean, we saw that Jordan Wilkins just isn't very good. Naheem Hines is, is good at a few things. He's a good receiver, but he's probably better used as a role player. So that leaves a pretty big role for Marlon Mack. He just had to get healthy and show up to fill that role. Now we're seeing him do it. And I think you can confidently say he's probably going to keep doing it going forward. And and definitely should be started next week. I'm not as confident, though, in Corey Clement and Wendell Smallwood. They were pretty disappointing on Sunday. Neither of them cracked 40 yards from scrimmage. And I know we spent some fab money on them to acquire them a couple weeks ago when Ajayi went on IR. But one of the worst things that you can do in fantasy is just to compound an error by keeping a guy in your lineup. You know, just because you drafted them high or you traded for them or you spent fab dollars on them. You know, a lot of people don't want to drop those guys, don't want to, you know, put them on their bench. They think they're kind of have to play them. That's a huge, huge mistake. And here, I think I don't think you should drop them by any means, but I think they have to go to your bench right now until we see something more from them. Woods, I'm curious, and I know you're the big trade guy. You always love talking about potential trades. They were linked to LaShawn McCoy, but he suffered a head injury on Sunday, wasn't able to come back into the game. Clement told the front office he could be the guy he didn't want them to trade for anyone. I'm not so sure that that's true now, though. I, uh, yeah, I still don't really think the Eagles are going to make a trade. I mean, as you said, McCoy's the obvious one, but there's just sort of some impediments there. Maybe if he proves that he's healthy and the price tag isn't that high, that's the deal they would make. I mean, we have seen that the Eagles are willing to make a trade for a running back. I mean, they did it last year with Jay Ajayi. But looking beyond McCoy, who, let's set him aside and say that's not going to happen for whatever reason, I don't see a ton of other great candidates out there. I mean, I don't think they're going to trade for Le'Veon Bell, as I've mentioned. I just don't think he's going to get traded. It doesn't really make sense for a lot of reasons. And then beyond that, who are the options? Would the Falcons want to move Tevin Coleman? Maybe the Eagles would have some interest in that as a, as a rental for the rest of the year. The Lions would probably be happy to trade Amir Abdullah, but I don't think he would really solve any problems for the Eagles. He, he won't step in as a, you know, a workhorse or a, a leader of that backfield. And beyond that, there just aren't a ton of candidates. Maybe there's someone out there that I'm not seeing or a situation that's going to flip around quickly. I, we didn't really expect Carlos Hyde to get dealt, and then suddenly he was on a new team. But I just, it's hard for me to, to connect the dots for a trade for the Eagles. And I think that Smallwood and Clement are, are good enough. And Darren Sproles is going to be back at some point. I think that backfield should be good enough with the other weapons that that offense has for them to not need to invest any further in there. I agree. You, you need to be patient with Clement and Smallwood right now. I don't think you could feel confident starting them, but I still am a, believer in Clement's talent he's the one I would still want to have and I can still foresee a second half of the season where he is a useful fantasy asset if not uh, you know a league winner but someone you can put in your lineup and, and, and get some value from yeah and I think the big thing right now just looking schedule wise Jacksonville next week and I know Jacksonville had a horrible day and we talked about the issues that they're having right now but their run defense is still pretty strong so they get Jacksonville next week yeah then they're on bye you got to just send them to your bench for now don't drop them like I said and let's see what happens there let's keep moving there's a couple quarterbacks that I want to highlight from Sunday 
And I know one of them you want to talk about, Woods, because we briefly spoke about it off air. Mitch Trubisky, he had his third straight 300-yard game, had another multi-touchdown day. He's getting it done with his legs as well. He has at least 47 rushing yards in each of his last three outings. In this one, he had 81 rushing yards and a touchdown on the ground. I think that he's getting to the point now where he is a borderline QB1 He's going to be in that range of my rankings. That's where I had him this week, just outside. I had him at 13, just outside of the QB1 range. I think he's going to crack that QB1 range, depending on his matchup, a lot of weeks. What are your thoughts there, Woods? We talked about this in the score war room as we were covering the games this afternoon. It's just, I don't disagree that Trubisky is a QB1 for fantasy purposes. I think he's going to keep putting up big fantasy numbers, but he just, he just, it seems kind of wild at times. He throws interceptable passes. He doesn't seem to always make the best decisions. It sort of reminds me a little bit of that one Blake Bortles season. Remember the one where he threw a bunch of touchdowns and he was a QB one and it like, he just didn't really play that well that season, but it was high volume and he just ended up tossing enough touchdowns to offset the interceptions. And he got lucky on enough plays that, you know, balls that sort of went through a defender's hands or miraculously found their way to his receiver who, ran the rest of the way down the field, and all those yards count for a quarterback. So it sort of seems like it's going to be a bit of that season for Trubisky, where he's not necessarily a great real-world quarterback, but it ends up making him a pretty good fantasy quarterback. I'm not going to argue there at all. I think there's still a lot of room for him to grow, but I think right now, at the moment, he's not a great quarterback, but he is becoming a, a fantasy quarterback that you can trust. And they have a lot of weapons there. Let's hope everybody stays healthy. Allen Robinson dealing with that groin injury. Let's hope everyone stays on the field. But if they do, I like Nagy a lot. I think what they're doing with Trubisky right now is really, really good. And the fact that he is running adds to his value so much. We've seen rushing quarterbacks and what they can do in fantasy. If he's going to put up 50 rushing yards a game, It's like another touchdown, and it is huge for his fantasy value. Uh, What about Andrew Luck here? He's thrown four touchdown passes three of the last four weeks, and then in the fourth game, he had three touchdown passes. A couple of those were even without T.Y. Hilton. Luck has been extremely, extremely impressive. Any doubts that we had about him coming back, getting back to the level, a level we can trust him, a level where he's a great quarterback, he's back there now. Yeah, I mean, it's always been kind of a weird season for like my my uh, opinion of him going into the season was I thought he'd probably be pretty good and work his way back to being, you know, the great fantasy asset Andrew Luck that we knew in years past. And then early in the season, he just didn't look good at all. There was that one week where they wouldn't even let him throw the Hail Mary. And I was sort of saying like, oh my God goodness, what's wrong with his arm? He's just never going to get it back. And then just like snapped his fingers. And the next week he was back to the old Andrew, like throwing tons of passes, tons of touchdowns and just looks amazing. So it was really down for a bit there, but now you're really high and maybe it will normalize, you know, somewhere a little bit more in the middle, but Andrew Luck looks great, and he's certainly a high-end QB1 going forward. I don't know how you could see him as anything else. No doubt about Andrew Luck. No doubt about Adam Thielen either. One of the MVPs of the fantasy season. He had a seventh straight 100-yard game on Sunday. But Stefan Diggs hasn't been performing as well. He has three good games on the year, and then he has four games where he's been held under 45 yards. I normally rank Diggs as a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two, given his upside. But do you have any concerns about Diggs here? If Thielen is seeing, is just soaking up all the production, seeing so many targets, do you have any issues, any worries at all about Diggs moving forward? 
Yeah, I kind of do. I'm, in previous seasons, I think the last two in particular, Diggs has also been sort of an up-and-down player, but it always seemed to correlate to an injury, uh, particularly to his groin, where you could sort of say, well, oh, well, he's his groin's bothering him this week, that's why he's not putting up big numbers lately, but he, as soon as he gets healthy, he'll flash again, and then it sort of seemed to happen when he got healthy, he was putting him up, up big numbers. I mean, we don't think he's injured right now, so maybe the truth is just that he's a much streakier player than we realize in the injury wasn't the cause of everything, which I guess makes you worry a little bit just that I don't have doubts about his talent. I don't really have doubts about the offense, and I think he's going to stay a big part of the offense. I just wonder if he's going to be that sort of roller coaster player who slumps for a bit and then has a few big weeks, and that's not always the most fun player to own for fantasy purposes because you have to endure the lumps to, to enjoy the highs. But uh, maybe that, that that's really my only takeaway here is that I just think this is maybe what he is and we didn't fully realize it. You want to talk about slumping for a few weeks, though. How about Lamar Miller? Most of the season, just awful. And then all of a sudden this week in a tough matchup with the Jags, goes off 100 rushing yards, a touchdown. I want to make sure that everyone realizes, though, this is a mirage. Do not go chasing it. If you have him in your lineup, I'd even be reluctant to start him moving forward. I still think that there are a lot of issues there with the offensive line. We just haven't seen it that that often from Miller. I would try to take advantage of this performance, and I would try to get him out on the trade market immediately. Another guy that I feel the same way about, but I do owe an apology to this individual, as Adrian Peterson. I have to apologize, because I really thought that AP's time at Washington was going to be short-lived. I, he's 33 years old. I expected him to start hot and then fizzle out, but he's got 97 and 99 rushing yards each of the last two weeks. He's a legitimate fantasy starter right now, and I still have concerns about him holding up over 16 games. We've seen him get banged up. He's been playing through the injuries. I would try to move him in a trade right now, but he has proven me wrong, and I'm glad to see it. I mean, we like to see these older players getting it done. Yeah, I mean, he's just a freak, and he has been his whole career. He's working through multiple injuries right now and they don't even really seem to be slowing him down so I mean maybe he can keep this going all season or maybe he'll reach the point where he just breaks down so much that that the production suffers but I I think I agree that it's it's not really going to get any better than this and if this is a trade high opportunity someone out there thinks Peterson you know they still has a high value attached to his name maybe flip him but you're right. I also was skeptical that this would really work out, but it seems like he's found himself a really good situation where they're feeding him tons of carries, which is what he needs to, to compile his big yardage. He's the type of guy who gets better you know, as games go on, even at his age, and that seems to still be the case. So as long as he keeps getting big volume and he can tough out these injuries, I, I, I think he's going to stay basically this guy as literally as long as his body will allow him to. I expected to see him in our next segment, which is our injury segment, but he's been able to play through it. Unfortunately, Melvin Gordon not able to play through his injuries. We caught wind of it on Saturday night that he had a hamstring issue that might keep him out, and that eventually was the case. The good news for Gordon owners, though, they have a bye next week. Get him healthy. Get him strong for the stretch run. Don't have him fall down the rabbit hole here like Leonard Fournette or Dalvin Cook where he ends up missing more time because he tries to rush back. Kudos to the Chargers for keeping him out and trying to get him healthy there. Talked about Sony Michelle earlier. 
Could be a significant one. We'll have to wait on that MRI. We're hoping for the best. LaShawn McCoy with the head injury. It's weird because it looked like an ankle injury to me, but the team said it was a head injury. He also sort of like twisted his ankle on the same play. Um, But we're going to have to monitor his status. And Chris Ivory is a guy that's going to need to be owned. He posted 106 yards from scrimmage on 19 touches with McCoy leaving the game. It's tough to get excited about any Bills players at the moment, but Ivory definitely has value there. Matt Breda re-aggravated his ankle injury, tried to play through it, but eventually just came out of the game. It was a blowout. The 49ers were getting crushed in that one, so we're going to need to monitor his practice participation this week. Deshaun Watson is clearly playing hurt. It's believed to be a lung and rib injuries. Bill O'Brien admitted as much after the game today. Uh, Apparently, Deshaun Watson took a 12-hour bus to Jacksonville for Sunday's game because the team was worried about him taking the flight and the pressure it would have on his lung. It's scary stuff here. It's, It's also sapped his effectiveness for fantasy. For the time being, you need to get him on your bench and find another option to start, especially since he's playing on a short week on Thursday night. Albert Wilson was also supposed to play in that Thursday nighter in week eight, but he has a hip injury now. He's going to undergo an MRI to determine the severity of that one. Seems like he's unlikely to suit up. And Bilal Powell suffered a neck injury. If he's out, that's going to boost Isaiah Crowell's projections, and it's going to make Trenton Cannon a a deep option in, in very deep fantasy leagues. That's obviously assuming that Powell misses time. All right, now to our favorite part of the episode, Woods, the waiver wire section. Let's start, we'll go through position by position here, and I'm going to try to give you some early players that you should have an eye on for the waiver wire this week. We'll start off with our guy, Mitch Trubisky, who we talked about, 52% owned, so he is owned in a lot of leagues out there, gets the Jets in week eight, he's playing well, definitely one of the better streamers, and a guy that you're going to want to grab and probably keep on your roster moving forward. Case Keenum has a great matchup with the Chiefs next week. But he's a play-at-your-own-risk option because the odds are equal here that he could have a great game versus he could be outright just benched. And it wouldn't be that surprising to see them bring Chad Kelly on. The fans obviously want it. They cheered when Kelly came into the game just to take a knee at the end of the half of last week. And in very deep leagues, you might actually want to go pick up Kelly. Obviously, I would think he'd be owned in a lot of two quarterback leagues as people were getting the idea that he might have a chance to start here. But maybe a preemptive grab on Kelly here because we know they have a lot of weapons in Denver. And Baker Mayfield, 41% owned. He gets the Steelers next week. We saw today he is capable of putting up some decent numbers. Maybe not going to have the elite ceiling, but can be a quality streamer for you. At running back, Marlon Mack, similar to Trubisky, he's owned in 54% of leagues, so you're not going to find him out there in most competitive leagues, but if he is still on your waiver wire, he's the number one add this week. Doug Martin and Jalen Richard, not high on the Raiders offense at all, but they do have good matchups over the next month, so there is some value there with Marshawn Lynch reportedly going on IR. Chris Ivory, who we mentioned before, keep an eye on that McCoy injury. If McCoy's out, or we talked about this before, McCoy is a possible trade candidate, which means Ivory's a guy that should be owned just in case that happens. Raheem Mostert, we've seen him pop the last two weeks with Breda playing through the injury and eventually sitting out in that second half. Mostert could be in line for another big workload next week, and he's got juice. He had 87 yards last week, had 78 yards this week. He caught four passes this week. He's kind of a a poor man's Matt Breda, and that would be a flex play if Breda were out. 
And Ronald Jones, who we mentioned during the rookie section earlier, Peyton Barber is just not getting it done. He had one game. He had an opportunity to continue that and had a bad, bad performance this week. So we're going to see Ronald Jones, I think, at some point this year take on a bigger workload. So you need to stash him on your roster until that happens. Moving to wide receiver, Geronimo Allison and Randall Cobb, they're coming off by expected to be back in the lineup now. Allison's the better option of the two if they're both still out there. Wouldn't be shocking even to see Marcus Valdez-Scantling play over Cobb. Might take a little while here before that happens. Might not be immediate, but the rookie just offers more for the Packers offense. But all these guys need to be owned because it is an Aaron Rodgers-led offense. Looking at the Chargers receivers, we saw Tyrell Williams and Mike Williams both have long touchdowns on Sunday in that game in London. They're hard to trust because the volume's not there. You're just banking on the big plays, and Tyrell's delivered that the last two weeks. Mike's been a little more sporadic with his. He's gone quiet for a few games before he had the 55-yard touchdown in this one, but they're intriguing bench guys and guys who could give you a big swing kind of ceiling if you need it against an opponent that's projected for more points, projected to outscore you by a wide margin. Danny Amendola, Jakeem Grant, I mean, even Kenny Stills, if he's still out there, he's owned in just over 50% of leagues. All three of those guys are going to be intriguing if Albert Wilson misses time. Amendola would reach flex status, especially in PPR leagues. I mean, he had a pretty good game on Sunday. Grant would have to see his snaps ramp up, and that would really depend on what happens with Devontae Parker. And I would think that after scratching Parker the last two weeks, I'm going to think that they're just going to trade him. I don't see a situation where he comes back into the lineup here, but it is possible. So we're going to have to monitor that situation as well. And then all the rookies we mentioned earlier, a lot of those guys, Michael Gallup, Christian Kirk, Traquan Smith, Cortland Sutton, all four of those guys are guys that I'm very interested in. Anthony Miller, also somebody that has a chance to come on more of a stash though at this point. At tight end, Vance McDonald, only owned in 39% of leagues. With the way that tight end's been going this year, that was really surprising for me to see. He's got to be owned in more places. He can put up tight end one numbers every week. Guy who should be owned and started. Ricky Seals-Jones has been very inconsistent, but with a new offensive coordinator. Gives a little bit of hope. He has the talent, so let's see if the new offensive coordinator of Byron Leftwich is going to be able to use him in a way where we're going to see his numbers go up. And how about a couple of rookies here at tight end? We didn't talk about rookie tight ends before, but this would probably be for deeper leagues as well. But with how bad tight end's been this year, some people are going to be digging for a starter. Dallas Goddard, very inconsistent. The talent is there, though. He's likely going to need a Zach Ertz injury to become fantasy relevant, but he's capable of putting up decent games. And another rookie, Chris Herndon of the Jets, had 56 yards and a touchdown last week, then had 42 yards and two scores this week. He's someone to give a long look to in deeper leagues, and we play in our office. We have a 16-team league in our office. He's a guy that I'm going to be looking at on the waiver wire this week in that league. And one final guy at tight end, he was in my super deep sleeper column before the season. It's Michael Roberts of the Lions. He had two touchdowns on Sunday. And when you're looking at the tight end position in fantasy, anyone that can score touchdowns ends up as a tight end one that week. If Roberts could continue this, and we talked about that offense when we talked about on Johnson, great receiving weapons, really solid offense all around. Roberts could be a guy that's intriguing in deeper leagues as well. 
Make sure that you are checking the Score app daily to see all our fantasy content, including the full waiver wire column that goes up on Monday. And before you set your waiver wire ads, you can consult the early edition of my rankings. Those go up Tuesday night as well. Woods and I are going to be back on Thursday to preview all the Week 8 action. Until then, you definitely should be following Woods on Twitter, and maybe you can share your ideas on how the Jaguars can manage their organization a little better. He's at David P. Woods. I'm always available for your questions, so fire away anytime, day or night, at Justin Boone. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight, I said leave on time.